Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. Here on the podcast, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, for lots of free resources for teachers. Download any and all of them right on the homepage, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 155. 155. We are just cruising right along. So I'm recording this intro on October 28th, 2021. And I'm going to launch into a recording I created yesterday when I interviewed a good friend of mine, Patty Ivy, and more on Patty in a moment. Now, um, you're going to be listening to this episode on Monday, November 1st. 2021, because that's um, when we go live with episodes on Mondays. And I have a really strong commitment to trying to keep that pattern going so that you know when you can expect a new episode. So um, one thing I do want to mention when um, before we go into this episode is that I have started to offer online free virtual yoga classes. And I'm really excited to do this. It's a way for me to build an online community of both yoga teachers and practitioners and really uh, create the energy around showing up. I think right now and for the past many, many months, we have all collectively um, fallen into a pattern where we really leverage the fact that number one, things are virtual. Uh, and that's a good thing. I think though what happens sometimes, and I'm really speaking for myself here, although I feel it in some of the teachers who I work with both um, one-on-one and in uh, my own program and in other programs, there's, I, I think now kind of a, um, a inclination to just kind of wait for the replay. And while I think that that is fantastic from the perspective of convenience, and that's one of the things we have now that we really didn't have a lot of before. You had to show up when you needed to show up. You needed to be there at a particular time in person. And now with virtual, there's a way for you to get all these other things done and then catch the recording when you have time. And I don't know about you, but inevitably for me, sometimes more often than not, what that means is I don't get to it. And so over the past couple of days, I've been showing up for webinars, for online yoga classes, for um, training sessions that have been offered to me live when they are scheduled. And of course, within reason, right? Not in the middle of the night. Uh, And it feels fantastic. It feels more like a normal pre-pandemic pattern of 
having to show up at a particular time. And I find that I'm more alert. I find that I'm more awake. I find that I get a lot more out of it. And I find that when I rest my head on my pillow at night, I feel like there's a much more direct relationship to what I have accomplished in that particular day. So that's one of the driving forces behind my interest in creating online yoga classes as a new offering. Um, so these will be virtual classes. You can find them on my website, barebonesyoga.com. And every week I am going to commit to showing up and teaching a live 30 minute class. So it's really easy to fit into your schedule. So check that out. It'll be on the virtual classes page of barebonesyoga.com. So for today's episode, what I wanted to do is connect with uh, a friend of mine from way back when, and you'll hear a little bit about the origin story of our friendship in the beginning of this episode. Patty Ivy is um, a yoga teacher with many, many years of experience. She is the founder and creator of Down Dog Yoga. Down Dog Yoga is in Georgetown and has several different locations. And she tells her story here in this episode from the perspective of what got her into yoga, what got her into opening a studio and what she's doing today. And while she still has her hands uh, in the studio, uh, not so much from a day-to-day -day perspective, but more from the perspective of training teachers, she has embarked upon um, a somewhat new journey. And she'll tell you about that in the episode. Um, Patty has a wealth of knowledge and experience, and she's particularly skilled as uh, being a leader in helping other leaders really connect to their true power. And we go into a lot of uh, what blocks people from that. And she is highly skilled at helping people realize uh, what are the barriers in their way and how to move past them. So that's it for the intro. We're going to roll this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, please uh, send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com, comments and thoughts about the podcast episode. I would love to hear them as well. So you can just send me a DM or post on Instagram. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's roll that tape, my interview with Patty Ivey. All righty. So hi, everybody. Welcome listeners to another episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian. And this is another exciting episode where I have a fabulous guest joining me. I've really been on a roll the past number of episodes I've invited people on. And today is going to be super special because I have an old friend of mine, a longtime friend, Patty Ivy, who is joining me here today. And Patty is coming to us from here in Massachusetts. I'm in Boston. She's in Newburyport, so she's local to me. And um, we'll go into a little bit about how we met at the beginning. I want to just start out by welcoming you, Patty, to the podcast. Thank you, Karen. It's so much fun being here and uh, so grateful that we've reconnected. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, so for the listeners, um, um, let me just share a little bit of the background. So Patty and I, uh, harken back to our first teacher training, which is where we met in 2002 or 2003. My memory serves me. Um, 2003. 2003. 2003. Yep. Yeah. We were in Mexico and it was a training led by Baron Baptiste. And we made 
uh, a lot of friends that both of us have to this day. I think um, out of all the trainings I ever attended, and Patty, you can share your own experience as well. Um, that was certainly impactful. And I think the fact that we connected and just after many, many years of not seeing each other, just picked it right back up is certainly a testament to the bond that we formed in that training. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I just, I've just kind of been on the outskirts uh, because we didn't until recently live in the same state. So I've always kept in touch with what Patty's doing. Uh, Patty founded Down Dog Yoga in Georgetown. There are several locations and she'll be telling us a little bit about her role with the studio now, as well as some new and exciting things she's doing. So that's my kind of blurb and to introduce you. And I would love for you to share as well, just give us some background on you and how you got into yoga and ended up owning a bunch of studios. <laughs> You're going to well, that and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I will. I mean, yeah, we don't have all the time in the world to tell you the whole story. <laughs> so uh, I'll give you the bullet points. So in, um, do you remember Kathy Cox? Yeah. So Kathy Cox, I met Kathy Cox, who ended up being actually my first business partner, yeah. but I met her at the gym and I was in the gym rehabbing because I had knee surgery. I blew my knee out running. And um, my doctor said, you have to go to yoga. And I was like, oh, I hate yoga. I don't want <laughs> I had this very different idea in my head of what yoga was. Um, and, and when was this? This was in 2002. And so I went to yoga and I took class with Kathy Cox, who was at Equinox Gym, which at the time was called the Sport Club LA or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah. And so that's how I met Kathy. And we hit it off and she kept talking about this dude, Baron Baptiste, while we were in class, you know, and um, and we just sort of hit it off and started to meet for lunch here and there and had this whole conversation around what she wanted to do. And she was very interested in opening a yoga studio. And she knew that I had had some business experience. I had owned businesses before prior, not yoga, but um, other businesses. The last one I owned was called the Cookie Lady. I was in a boutique bakery business. <laughs> and um, she wanted me to help her, uh, you know, write a business plan for her to open up a, a, a studio. So time went on, fast forward. Um, she invited me to partner with her and I said, no, I didn't want to do it because I didn't like yoga. So she, and, and that's just who I am. I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about. And so she said, well, why don't we go up to um, Boston and take class? At the time, Rolf Gates was having a book signing for his book, Meditations from the Mat. Now, so I'm really telling you how old I am as in relationship to the yoga world and how far you and I go back, right? What and a great so, book that was. What a great book that was. So off we it went. Yeah. Yeah, really good. And so off we go to go to this book signing party, but we got there the day, uh, um, the day before and um, how it went down was like this. She says, let's go and take a couple of yoga classes at the Baptist Power Yoga Institute in Cambridge. My very first class was with the one and only Elizabeth Huntsman. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And uh, 
Wow, I got an ass whooping. I remember being terrified of her. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't do yoga. And now I'm in this room with like 90 people. I think that room held 88 people, something like that. And Elizabeth teaching, you know, who is a force. So I was like terrified, you know, and that was my first experience of yoga. And I remember I kept thinking, because I didn't know what a headstand was. And I kept thinking, how did she just like get her legs over her head like that from down dog she just like boop floated you know elizabeth so anyway that was that the book signing took place on sunday and then monday we went back to the studio to take another class which was supposed to be with gregor singleton and the door opened and in walked baron he was in town and he just decided to sub and so i got to have the next experience with with baron and i remember being in that room and you know sweat flying and you know had a, felt like i had a hole in my head there was so much water pouring on the floor and all over the place you know and um i when class was over i remember just this very distinct feeling i had that i i i just never experienced before like i felt very like um you know, clear. And I wouldn't know then what that felt, what that was to put my finger on, but I felt like, like colors were brighter. Like I can see better. I could hear better. It was just like, what is that? And, you know, of course, looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what it actually means to be present and awake and alive. Right. But I never had that feeling before. Mm -hmm. And I felt so in my body. And so I, I walked right up to Baron. I didn't know him. I walked right up to Baron and asked him what his plans for growth were. And had a conversation. Truth. That's a true story. You asked him. Right to the chase. I went right to the, you know, because I was all about business back then. I didn't know shit about yoga. You know, I hope I hope I'm allowed to curse on your podcast. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and we had this little chat. And um, I said to him, well, you know, he was like, oh, we're going to open up all these studios all over the country. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? Like, why wouldn't you just let other people like I'm not interested in reinventing the wheel like this is not my heritage, but like, I want to do this, whatever this is, like, this is amazing. So why not let other people open studios and you give us the recipe and then we do it. And, and he said, can you write me a proposal? And that was the first proposal of affiliation. That's how it started from that conversation with Baron. So I went home and um, that was December. I remember the day to a T, December 16th, 2002. In April, 2003, Down Dog Yoga opened its doors. Wow. And that's, that's where it started. So that's how I got into yoga. And then I realized, um, you know, and then Kathy, you know, Kathy and I opened the studio together. Okay. And then Kathy decided that um, it really wasn't her path. She didn't want to own a studio, that she wanted a complete, you know, lifestyle change. She still wanted to teach yoga. So she moved to California and left me with the studio. And I had no idea what I was doing. I knew how to run a business, but I didn't know anything about yoga. So, but that's how my journey began. And I went to level one because I thought, well, I don't want to teach yoga, 
but I should probably understand <laughs> what yoga teachers do and what I'm doing. So my journey in yoga was very um, public. Like I never had an opportunity to develop a, a personal yoga practice before being thrown out like that into the public. So it was an exciting journey because it was messy and out there and lots of stuff you can't take back and the whole world getting to see you, me go through my transformation live and raw and, you know, messy and, and, and ugly, you know? And so that was the starting point. That's how you and I met. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the public face of your personal process of shifting, um, because I have a, you know, I, I recently had Rebecca Pacheco on the podcast and she was also at this training and she just wrote yeah. her second book. So she came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago to talk about that. And similar to this, we were reminiscing about things. And I have a very vivid memory of Rebecca at the second training we were at in Montana, right. uh, the two of yeah. us like a personal sharing exercise, we were sitting on the grass in front of the main house. And so we were chatting about that. And for you, these things are, you know, I think kind of, I think memories are interesting how they can kind of be fuzzy, but yet they can be on a somatic level so much in your body. And I have a memory of, of you in, and I haven't shared this with you, um, of you in, I want to say either Mexico or Montana. And there was some like group situation. And there was definitely like, I felt like you were struggling. Like there was a struggle. You think? <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember I literally what the situation was. Um, it's just interesting now, all these years later to hear you describe you know, kind of your personal growth happening in public. Do you have any memory of maybe what that situation was or just can I have a clear memory of it. I share it a lot. Do you? Because I don't, I don't remember specifically, but I mean, I don't hold on to it. Like, but I remember it very clearly because it really stands out for me now in the thread of like what one of my core values is, um, which is honesty, you know, like tell the truth. And if you remember, cause Alice Riccardi was there. And if you remember, there was some of us, I don't think it was everybody where we had to wear signs around our neck. Like we had gotten feedback right from practice teaching. Yeah. And, and, um, I had to, you know, I was very closed down, you know, and, uh, I had to wear a sign around my neck that said, confront me if I'm, um, if I'm being too harsh. Okay. That was my thing, right? Yep. That I came across very harshly. And, uh, and um, so I had the sign around my neck and other people had whatever they had around their neck. I think Alice has said, if I'm being too intense, but. <laughs> and it's funny because Alice got a shout out on this week's podcast, which we're recording this on the 27th. She was on Monday's podcast because I interviewed a yoga teacher and studio owner in Montana who used to teach for her in Portland, Maine. No kidding. This is the second Alice shout out on two consecutive episodes. So she's like becoming a common thread, which is kind of cool. <laughs> kind of cool. So Alice's sign was like, you know, confront me if I'm being too intense, which I would have switched signs with her any day. Pete's being harsh. 
<laughs> so sign around my neck, the week is going on. And, and then, uh, you know, we were having that night where we all had to sit the magic carpet in front of TV, watch ourselves teach, and then turn around and get feedback from Baron, like Baron, if you remember, would be sitting like right in front of us. And then everybody would be around him and everybody got to give you feedback. And um, I um, was pretty much um, under attack, like people really came at me. And, you know, I'm sure rightfully so. I'm sure the whole week I showed up as harsh and being who I didn't even know, you know, I was being because it's just who I, that was my way of being at the time. And um, I, you know, I put up that front, you know, where it was like, you're not gonna get to me, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and cry. And I didn't, I mean, I, you know, I, I can be very stoic when I need to, even if I'm dying. And I went back to my room, I punched a hole in the wall, <laughs> cried my eyes out. I called my husband and said, I wanna come home. I'm not staying here. I hate these people. I hate everything. And then the, he convinced me to stay cause there was like two more days to go. And then that outdoor circle took place. Maybe that's what it was outdoors. Yeah. It was outdoors. And everybody was going around sharing whatever they were sharing. And Baron said to me, what happened to the sign around your neck? Because I ripped it off and I threw it in the trash. And then I got up and I basically went into a rage about, you know, all you people out there, you had a whole week to confront me. I'm wearing the sign, not one of you had the courage to do it. You waited until you were in front of Baron in a crowd to all come at me, you know? And, and, and it was a pivotal moment for me because I basically said, I don't trust a single one of you. You know, like if you can't come up to me one-on-one -on -one and have a conversation and instead you wait, you know, to attack, I got nothing to say to you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, and it was funny because that kind of broke, that was a little bit of a starting point where, you know, people started coming up to me and, ha and getting into conversations, but I was in a lot of struggle because I was just the product of my growing up and I didn't know, you know, how I was coming across. It's just how I was coming across. Yeah. Know? Do you think that, um, what do you think it was about the particular situation uh, of being in that training that brought this kind of to the forefront? Was it something about that we were teaching? Was it something about that we were away from home? Like, what do you think it was? That brought out what me coming that, that kind of had you come to this, you know, kind of epiphany of sorts. I don't even know if you'd call it an epiphany, would you? No, I, I don't think it was an epiphany. I think that it just was my response, which was yeah. part of my, you know, I was always very volatile. That yeah. was part of my issue. Like I was volatile all the time, explosive. Yeah. And because I didn't have a voice as, as a, a young child woman or even a young adult growing up, like I, I was brought up in the age of children to be seen and not hurt. I didn't have a voice. Right. 
So everything was stuffed down and I didn't know how to speak. So when I did, it was just explosive. Right, right. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, since we hadn't, you know, we had that experience together and then we went off and kind of lived our separate lives, although we were still aware of what each other was doing with social media and just being part of the same community of yoga teachers. When we recently reconnected, and even just in talking to you now, the listeners can't see you, but I can see you and hear you, obviously, and, and, and your way of being is so crystal clear. It seems like light years away from that. Yes. And yes. Do you feel that as like yeah. another person? Do you kind of look back and look back and see it as like, wow, that was like a completely Absolutely. It's, it, it actually is what I stand in now for possibility and leadership because I feel like when I look back, I don't even recognize who that person was. Wow. And, but I really took myself on. You know, like I was a sponge for give it all to me. Yeah. Give me the feedback. I don't care how harsh, just tell me, right? But don't talk behind my back. Like that's right. how I am, right? right? Like betrayal is a big thing for me. Like I'll sit and I'll talk to anybody if you've got something to say to me, if I upset you, if I hurt your feelings, if I said something that landed the wrong way, but talk to me, right? right? And so I was very open to taking feedback, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and so I really took myself on. I went into a rigorous, over the years, rigorous self-examination. Again, you know, part of it was that it was being done in public. And so, you know, a lot of it was like reading terrible things said about me on Yelp, you know, <laughs> like, and then I would cry because I'm like, I don't understand because I couldn't see it. Like I couldn't see, but I knew that if enough people were saying it, yep. that there had to be truth in it. Got it. So I kept listening to myself and listening and doing the work. And I really took myself on. So like when I see, when I feel who I am now, and I look back and I think, my God, this is why I'm still such a stand for yoga and the practice mm -hmm. and doing the work mm -hmm. and taking oneself on and being open because I'm the possibility. Yeah. You know, I remember Elizabeth Huntsman, I'll never forget this. She used to say she'd come and work with my teachers sometimes at Down Dog and she would say to them, when your students come in the room, you at the front of the room are the possibility. Right. So you have to be able to do the practice. You know, you have to be smiling. Your hair needs to be combed. You know, all those things that you're training teachers around, right? And um, and so that's how I feel. Like I feel like I stand in the possibility for people who are in struggle, who are suffering who have sides of themselves that are stuck in these limiting beliefs and fears and doubts and all the things that I'm here to tell you that keep going. There mm -hmm. is light on the other side of the tunnel of your work. Like, I really believe that. Yeah. You know, I really, in listening to you, like, I feel like number one, I feel like this conversation got way intense, way fast, <laughs> which I am, I am all for it. Believe me. I mean, I am, I am not one to shy away from having 
you know, in-depth conversations. Um, and I want to just thank you for being so honest and, and really vulnerable in a way to share a look into your own growth. I mean, I think that that's not something oftentimes that people are willing to do. And I think a lot of the yoga teachers listening um, right now are probably like, whoa, this is like really intense. And this is really cool that this person is sharing, you know, about how she came across and is willing. I mean, this is how I'm taking it and is willing yeah. to be really crystal clear about, I didn't really like the kind of person I was. And I also was willing to hear the feedback, to make the changes. And I can look back now after having done a lot of work and I can really say, I change at an identity level who I am. Does yeah. that resonate with you? That Well, like I, I you know, I didn't change. Um, I, 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 I think I've changed the perception who we are is who we are, right? As an essence, but what really changed was my behavior, right? Because mm -hmm. I got to the crux of like these limiting beliefs that I had and these things, like I said, of not feeling good enough or whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. um, and started getting at that stuff, you get at the big stuff, the behavior starts to change. And then you, 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 you know, then people start to experience you in a different way. And, and I had to stand in a long time, having people give me that comparison, you know, and swallow and take it in because they'd say, Oh my God, you're so nice. Now you used to be right. And like, need, nee, 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 and just say, thank you because they mean well, Right. And yet it felt a little bit like a constant dragging me back to the past, right? Right, like a reminder, yeah. Yeah, but it's okay. And I've always been that way. Like, I'll tell you anything because I feel that the best way to lead is by example. And any great leader knows that, you know, if you look all too perfect and everything is all well, like, I don't know, it's not, it, it, it's not very inspiring because no one feels like they can achieve that. Right. right. But to know that somebody like trips their way through, <laughs> you know, personal growth and just keeps getting back up and going again and being in one mess after another and cleaning it up. And um, it's really it takes something. Yeah. You the know? other reason I really appreciate you bringing up all of what we're talking about, which I guess you could sort of put under the umbrella of personal growth, as you say is it really is so critical not just for yoga teachers for for on their path to teaching in a way that's more authentic to them yeah. but yeah. just as a person living your life all yeah. of what you're talking about under the umbrella of personal growth is for so many of us like these are the obstacles we face every day yes so it's really like you've got to you got to face this stuff. So I, I just, um, I just love getting into all these themes. You know, I, I, I know that part of your journey and I want you to share about this in terms of how you, what you're doing right now. I think for the listeners, can you take us on a little bit of a, you know, so you're at this training we've had, you've had kind of this growth kind of hit you in the face at a hundred miles an hour. Right. You already have this studio. Right. So at that point, did you branch out into getting more studios and you kind of continued to grow your, yeah. your 
Yes. I did. And I, you know, the only reason I branched out, like, you know, I, I didn't have an interest in like, oh, I want to open up a whole bunch of studios, like this big, you know, business, I could do it, you know, I could open a business with my eyes closed. But really, what struck me was, um, I wanted people to have an opportunity to experience what I experienced this growth thing, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to drop into pockets of community that the yoga became accessible for any and all who wanted to come in and transform their lives. So that was the driver to- That was the driver. Getting more studios set up and running. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then what caught my ear, and I think this is, we all kind of know this too, um, is, I was always drawn to the transformational speak in the classroom. Like that's really what stuck out in my head when I took that first class with Baron. I had never heard talk like that. Yeah, for the, for the listeners who aren't familiar with Baron as a teacher or what you're talking right. about, can you share a little bit about what that's like? Yeah, so it was like the um, art of communication in the classroom with um, talking about um, what's possible in life so speaking directly to and through limiting beliefs using the hot physical practice as a way of coming up right against that edge as we call it you know where we really get to decide if we're gonna go for it or back down the edge of fear the edge of growth the edge of doubt the i can't do this that moment where you get to choose if you're going to pierce through to the other side or retreat back, right? So that kind of talk when you're moving through um, a strong physical practice in a room that's freaking, you know, you know, uh, 95 degrees and, uh, you know, people yeah. just packed in like sardines sweating, there's something to it that you get to that edge and 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 it's you know i would call it it's the um the point of truth and and choice mm-hmm. you know this is this is your moment are you going to take it or not right mm-hmm. and and then to speak to what what's possible on the other side if you keep going those are the two things that i remember the possibility if you allow yourself to move through the uncomfortability of where you are right now yeah. So, so that's what really registered in my ear as why I wanted to teach the yoga. It was really all about that speak. Right. I wanted to bring that. And then I also was very drawn to um, uh, the training of like uh, the psychology of uh, working with teachers to teach them, train them how to teach that style of yoga. Mm-hmm. Because I was all about the transformational piece and the leadership piece, like being, you know, we were being referred to as leaders in the classroom. I remember being asked the question, you know, um, uh, you know, well, Baron used to say, I can teach anybody how to, I can teach a monkey how to teach warrior two, but what are you actually doing for humanity? And I'm like, humanity? <laughs> never thought about humanity. <laughs> it's just true, right? And so he, you know, it was like um, thought provoking conversations 
that was definitely provoking the leader inside of me. So that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I was drawn to. And that's when I really started to put my efforts into developing and mentoring teachers mm -hmm. that both worked for me and in running teacher training programs mm -hmm. and letting them know that, you know, that there's a, for me, this is my approach. There's a much bigger conversation that's happening in the room beyond a sequence. Mm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about, the bigger yeah. conversation happening. So when you work with, so just again, for the listener, just to kind of get a sense of the chronology. So you have all these studios, you're teaching, you're training teachers, the studios right. are, are kind of running. Since we're talking about training of teachers, and we're also talking about, you know, kind of some of this um, personal development theming that's being weaved in right. the sequencing and the just the technical cues, the anatomical right. cues and the action cues. Um, when you work with teachers, how do you develop a teacher into, I mean, I guess what I would say is into a leader and not someone who is held back by their own sense of, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Right. I'd rather kind of stick with, you know, and again, I mean, if we take, you know, we both were trained by Baron Baptiste, obviously he had a, a huge impact on the both of us in terms of our development right. as a teacher. Right. In addition to that though, both of us have done a number of other things on our own. We've grown well beyond, you know, and, and that has become part of our story, not our whole story. Right. Um, so when you train teachers, I'm sure that you're taking from the good of what you learned and adding your own wisdom and life experience and, and knowledge that you have. So when yeah, you totally. yeah. So when you work with teachers, how do you coach them to, to take that leap and to really be beyond, you know, kind of, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, obviously when you're a newer teacher, you're going to cue, you're going to kind of stay within the language of the physical and it is kind of scary to start to step outside that and really bring themes of growth and, and kind of nudge people to their edge. So, so what elements do you factor in to coach teachers to be able to do that? Yeah, well, that's a really great question. So I start them all out the same. So I'll work on very specific things and I, and I want to, you know, I'm going to keep giving shout outs because I think it's important that we acknowledge our teachers. Um, Quayle Marsh, I learned a lot. I mean, Quayle was really one of my first heroes in what I learned in how to develop and train teachers. And then after that, I would say Claire McDonald. Um, and Quayle had an interesting approach because she had a background in psychology. So I really loved watching how she worked with teachers and how she framed questions but I also learned that um, that can be too soon right, to go in with that angle, that there was there was this great angle of like uh, um, a good way to get to know the fabric, a little bit of a, a, a peek into the fabric of people. And, uh, uh, and what I would say back then, as and, and I'll relate this even to the work I do now like looking for the glimpse of genius in everyone, because it's different. 
right? So, you know, and then start them all from the same place where they're maybe just working on tempo and timing and all the things that make a good, strong, foundational yoga class work. Because that's really important. Not everybody wants to go in and speak the speak of, you know, what I'm talking about, right? I think that there are yoga teachers. It's important to have your yoga teachers who are daily spoon feeding, you know, all the other stuff of the importance of a good, healthy, um, physical yoga practice and be a powerful leader in that. And, and, you know, be so in love with, I mean, I think about Gregor Singleton with this, right? He like, that guy could, he loved anatomy. So he could describe the pelvis where you fell in love with the pelvis, right? I think that's really important to know who you are as a teacher, but also for your mentor to recognize who you are and pull that out, right? So for me, I kind of start them all off at the same place and I'll start to notice who kind of, who gravitates toward what. What's the language that they start using? What are they drawn to? And then start to draw out of them, not, you know, in the beginning, I mean, I'll admit it in the beginning, in the earlier days, like I just figured I'll just make them all like me, you know, um, but that doesn't work. <laughs> it didn't make me the, the favorite yoga mentor trainer either. Um, mm -hmm. But I learned through experience and, but, you know, I st always stepped into it and I'm going to, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go and I'll learn as I go. Right. And then now what I've learned is, no, you got to really pay attention to what lights them up mm -hmm. and then start to draw that out of them so that even if they're all teaching the same style of yoga, they're bringing in the essence of who they are authentically, because that's really what authentic teaching is, right? That you know, if it could be you're in love with the pelvis or it could be, you know, you like speaking to, I don't know, you, you get my point. It, right. It's that you, you know, the ones that are going to be drawn to um, not being the everyday daily classroom teacher. And I, I you know, I come in and I'm kind of like a teacher of transformation. I'm right. going to come in, land that big conversation, have major impact and go out the door. But people wouldn't be able to take my class six times a week. It would be too much. Right, right. Yeah, my point, it would feel like too much. Yeah. When I hear you um, talk about this in terms of like the development of a teacher and just in relating, just thinking about it in relationship to my own growth as a teacher and knowing those moments where I am in the act of teaching, taking that sort of leap to right. nudge people, to push people a little bit from a growth right. perspective, that right. can be sort of terrifying. Like oh, it yeah. is your coach yeah. outside the safety net of yeah. teaching the practice. And yeah. now we're going outside that. So can you like for teachers who are listening, who have these thoughts come to their mind and, and they stop themselves from saying them when they're teaching because right. they're afraid. They don't want to be authentic because people are going to judge me. Who am right. I to be coaching somebody? I'm only 30. I haven't lived a lot or whatever it is. Right. How do you give people the power to stand in their own power and be authentic? Yeah, well, I think that as teachers in the classroom, 
to first acknowledge that, you know, um, like for me, I always acknowledge when I walk in the room that I'm not really in the room. <laughs> I'm not really there, right? And say to myself, you're in, and just keep reminding myself that I'm not present until I get present, right? But the other thing is understanding that for the first number of years that you're teaching, and I know that was this way for me, is that um, so attached to the outcome, which is like what you say, being liked, being accepted, um, that unless you let go of that outcome, you're never going to be authentic in the room. That you're you're all where you're coming from is ending up with a result that isn't really going to cause and create connection in the room. Yeah, it's almost like I hear you say it, it, what I'm hearing you say makes me think about being present. It's like when you're really, really present, you don't really care. It's like when you play golf. If you think That's about right. getting it in the hole, you don't get it in the hole. When you just are loving being yeah. outside and playing golf, you typically get it in the hole. Yeah. So it reminds me of that, especially when you talked about presence earlier on in the conversation. Yeah. Well, it's why, you know, doing the personal work is so important because we have to start reaching a place. And this is what happened for me that I'm so comfortable in my own skin. I can walk in that room and talk about anything and lead a powerful class because I stopped caring what anybody thinks. Like, I'm not going to go in and insult people, but you get my point. You know, it's like, you got to get to a point where you're so clear about who you are and what you actually stand for in life. Like what matters to you? Mm -hmm. What are you a stand for? Are you a stand for truth? Are you a stand for integrity? Are you a stand for love? Are you a stand for greatness? And then speak right from there because anytime I teach, I'm, I'm teaching right through my own life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Teaching through your own life experience. And at the same time, I don't, I would imagine not making it about you. So never mention my name when I do it. Like I, it's that universal messaging Yeah. that, you know, like I don't sit there and say, you know, when I was like, I never even bring myself up. It's just, I'm channeling my experience of my own growth and that's what's coming out of my mouth but it's it's speaking to it in general terms as theming got it um so now that we've kind of covered that piece of teacher development mm -hmm. i'm wondering would you say that in order for teachers to really be I don't want to use the word effective because that's too business focused in order for teachers to really get to a point where they can share from their authentic being. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that some sort of personal work, whether it's coaching or therapy or something like that is really helpful to help have that kind of external mentor that is hearing your speak and coaching you through a process of uh, working through a lot of similar to what you talked about in the very beginning, you mm -hmm. maybe didn't know how you were coming across, yeah. you were confronted with it. And it was really the spark that led to the flame of your personal development work you yeah. did, and you were willing to take on, yeah. you know, should teachers really, especially if they're listening, and they've been teaching for a while, and they feel stuck, or they feel afraid? I mean, is that really the answer for them? It could be. I, you know, there has to be the willingness to go there. And um, 
See, for me, feedback was not equal to criticism. It was just feedback. All right. So I think today you hear a lot about if it's something they hear that lands as negative, they turn it into criticism instead of a, 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 an opportunity for growth. So, um, yeah, you can hide behind just teaching asana and teaching it really well, and that might work for, for you, and that's okay too, right? But, like, if, you know, for me, and, it, and they can be effective to a certain point with that. Um, I just think that for me, it's a personal choice that yoga goes way beyond that. Right. And um, there's just a very different quality and next level up of um, conversation that can be life changing and really have make impact in the world and and leave me feeling like I'm actually making a contribution to the world because that really matters to me. I want to make right. a difference, you know? So, yeah, I mean, and when you said impact, that came to my mind like a second before you said that. I mean, um, so yeah, I, that totally hit home for me. That word is is definitely impactful. <laughs> um, so, so this might be a good lead in to maybe telling us a little bit about what you are doing now and what your role is now with respect to the studio yeah studio system you know infrastructure that you built right yeah so you know after 18 years um i just felt like you know again knowing who i was as a visionary leader who all of a sudden was buried in the minutiae of operations and all of the unpleasantries of running a business that um, I didn't want to do that anymore. Like I felt like my creative spirit had died <laughs> and um, I needed to get myself back. Like I needed to reclaim myself. So um, I had to trust that I had, you know, all the work that I had put in that I had, you know, could bring in a team that was right inside of my studio anyway and have them run the daily and my husband and i scott we moved here to newburyport plum island as you know and and really the work people ask me all the time well what are you doing now well i'm kind of doing the same thing right because i've always been mentoring and up leveling and bringing people up into this idea of like well what is leadership you know and leadership is just now defined as coaching so I'm working with um, high performers and achievers like myself who have a real hunger for next level of getting to whatever it is, whether it be a career or write a book or whatever, right? That's who I'm working with. And uh, I can work with them well because um, I know them. I am them. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so I work with clients and, um, you know, They're not necessarily all yoga teachers. Oh, gosh, no, like most of them are not. I, I don't think I, I don't even think I have any. No, I have one person who teaches yoga on the side. No, these are professionals. So they could be yoga teachers. Um, and I didn't want to limit myself to that. Um, so I have CEOs that I work with, um, people in upper level management, um, all sorts of careers. So uh, what kind of things like, 
why do they come to you? I mean, I guess part of me understands since we're talking so much about yoga teachers, but as we also said, the themes are universal <laughs> that people struggle with in terms of their personal growth. So I'm yeah. curious, you know, are there some common themes in terms of the reasons that people make that first phone call to you? Patty, I heard about you through so-and-so, or I found landed on your website and I am currently yeah. feeling- I think most of them come to me because they have followed me for a while, you know, or have known me for a long time. And so they trust me. Like the one thing that people know about me is like, I might deliver the 411, you know, that you're gonna get the truth. Um, and that can seem a little scary, but at the end of the day, there's two things people know about me. Like, I will always tell you the truth and um, they trust me and they know like, no matter what I deliver to them, I've got their back. Like I'm telling you this because I know that there's a possibility for you that you just can't see yet. Mm -hmm. and, and you're not living into that. Mm -hmm. And if you wanna live into it, I will stand shoulder to shoulder with you, let's go. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and so I think it's that people trust me. And as one described, it's almost like, um, I'm working with you because I know I really don't wanna go. I wanna go there, but I don't wanna, go there and i know you'll make me go there you know yeah. i don't make anybody go anywhere but what i do do is work with them to move, remove some of these um limiting beliefs that people have and they're pretty common so what you kinds know? of things do you see i mean i think we talked a little bit already about i don't know if we can call it imposter syndrome but just kind of that fear of being judged well i have a very different um um, definition of imposter syndrome. And I actually think um, it's, for me, imposter syndrome is really how I was living and growing, right? So it was like I would step into things before I was ready to step into them because it was a stretch. So like everybody should feel themselves at the edge of imposter syndrome. You know, like I really believe I that. love that reframe of it. Yeah, it's, it's, right? it's perfect. It I'm really tired is. of hearing about imposter syndrome. Like how else do you grow if you don't put your foot forward and step into it? Yeah. Right? It kind of reminds me of when people say sitting is the new smoking. I'm like, well, standing all day sucks too. So <laughs> the people who are bartenders and they're going to say they would love to sit down for a couple of hours a day. So yeah. I hear, I totally hear what you're saying. And I just, I absolutely love that. I think on some level, that's totally true. You want to feel like you're at your growing age. I feel age. like you're an imposter. You know, it's, it's as long as you're not staying there and stealing other people's work and putting it out there, right? It's like, as long as you're at your edge of growth. So, so there's that. I think that I for that. most people, most people think that there's something wrong with them, that they have to get at something and fix it, right? So I always start with the distinctions between therapy and coaching. You know, in therapy, you deal with a past trauma. Coaching is removing limiting beliefs that stand in your way of moving forward. It's not looking back. Let's knock this stuff out that you've told yourself is true that's not true and let's go, right? So it's doing work like that. Um, and so that's a lot of the, there's, you know, I always remind people that there's nothing wrong with them. 
And they're always shocked because people are always like, I know I should stop doing that. I'm so annoyed with myself for that. You know, like I really need to work on that. And I'm like, no, you, you, you don't. Once you see it, you don't have to work on it. You just have to see it. You're like, oh, there's that thing again that I keep doing. There's that thing where I keep apologizing or where I, you know, don't take, you know, I had one of my clients was going to turn down a keynote speaking gig because she decided that she wouldn't know how to do that. And it was on an exact subject that she's an expert at, you know? So it's like these things that people come up with, what do you mean? You don't know how, you don't know the subject material, you know, like, <laughs> like you can't yeah. get the facts wrong, you know them, you know? So um, yeah, just all these things that people tell themselves. And then I work with them to, like I said, um, I look, for the glimpse of genius because my gift is seeing that in people and then showing them a possibility that they didn't think of because the thing is the truth is people don't dream people have stopped dreaming yeah and if they do dream they dream little small baby dreams yeah, yeah. Right? but i'm like what about this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my job is to hold the bar much higher for them than they will ever hold for themselves because they're afraid that they'll fail. Mm -hmm. I want them to fail because if there's something that I assign to them to do and they fail at it at the other side of that, you're like, oh, wow, guess what? I'm still standing. I'm still alive, right? It's like sort of falling out of, you know, headstand for the first time and like splat, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, that fear you had of going up in a headstand, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I'm still here. I didn't break my back. I'm okay, right? Mm -hmm. it's, so I'm all about stretching them to failure. Mm. You know, confidence. Yeah, it's interesting when you said earlier, a second or two ago about you see like the genius in someone. And it, yeah. it just reminds me, I recently observed a coaching session. The person was willing to participate in a virtual experience where she was coached by another uh, coach. And um, the, the, the coach of this participant um, had her repeat certain things that validated her being, mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. And they, they were somewhat common things, but, but they were very, um, it was just interesting to observe her saying these very basic things like I am worth it, I can do this. She, the, co the context was she wanted to start a particular type of business mm -hmm. and she was afraid to start it for a number of reasons. And right. so some of what he was having her say was around essentially validation statements to show that she was going to be able to do this. And within a minute or two of her repeating some of these things, she burst into tears and it yeah. was so evident. And I can imagine, I mean, obviously from a client confidentiality standpoint, you don't have to share anything, but I can imagine what you're talking about where you can see the essence of someone from a pure potentiality standpoint, they can't. Correct. So when you take them through a process, it must be very emotional for them to come to this realization of owning Yes. Yeah, I can do that. Yes, I am that person. Yes, I am worth it. And and let go of all of that negative self-talk. Oh, yeah, I should be better at this or I should stop doing that. 
Yes, and right on on the point. And the other side of that is too, is that the things that we're genius at are the things that come so naturally to us that it just becomes this idea of like, well, that's just kind of what I do. Like we don't see it as our own genius. It's like you don't give yourself credit for that's what right. naturally because you say, oh, it's just part of who I am. Right. Like, like I said, like, you know, for me, I could open a business overnight just like that. Visionary, get an idea, boom, open the doors. And everybody's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, do what? You know, we don't see our gifts because it's just what we do, right? We don't see that we've got this incredible insight into people like for me like i've gotten incredible insight into people i didn't know that until one of my mentors pointed it out to me would you say by the same token we don't often see the things that are limiting us just oh, like we for sure for sure mm. because they they've been the, those patterns uh, and and habits and operating systems have been with us for so long, for so long that we can't get access to them, mm -hmm. you know. But all it takes is, and and here's the thing: it takes one insight, one insight. Life looks one way. Something happens. Something gets said. And all of a sudden life looks totally different. It takes one insight for everything to change. Mm -hmm. And then you follow the insight. You know, I always say to my teachers, you know, like, you know, the blind spot, like once you see it, follow that. Don't worry about all the shit of why it was there, all that stuff. The, the growth is head right to the blind spot. Follow the insight. And Let me then, ask you on those on those line on on this topic of follow the insight. How do you coach people to do that, even though they're having really uncomfortable feelings? You know, like the example of if you're teaching and you want to go there, but you're afraid, or whatever the situation is. How do you push yourself through all of the somatic responses your body is telling you? You know, it's like don't go there, don't go there, don't well, go there. Well, that's not an insight, though, right? So the insight's the realization. So it would be like somebody gives me feedback, and I'm like, I can't see it, I can't see it. Why do they keep calling me harsh? Why this? Why that? And then all of a sudden, I'm standing up at the front of the room teaching. And this is a true story. And I hear myself say something in reaction to what somebody was doing, right? That reflected back to me that whatever it was, I wasn't being listened to or, you know, whatever all that shit was back then. And then I'm like, oh my God, there it is. Mm -hmm. It'll present itself. Or if I'm coaching, let's use this as an example, right? If I'm coaching and I'm even on a zoom call like this and i will say something about what i might see and then all of a sudden the person i'm talking to will either pull back there'll be a physical reaction to it their eyes will kind of go up like they took it in and i just let that all hang there 
And then I wait for them to actually like, Mm. but that would not have happened if you were not part of that experience. Right. So there's that kind of, it's almost like a meditation where you're outside yourself, watching yourself, like you're the, you're the seer. Yes. Watching, seeing them. Yes. However they're acting and you're reflecting back. And then that person's having that experience that you just described. Correct. Mm. So it's the same thing with yoga teachers, right? Like, so if yoga teachers take themselves on and get themselves a true mentor or train, whatever you want to call them, you know, um, like somebody who's really got years of experience and understanding and doing, because not everybody can, can do this, right? I don't want to just ask my friend next to me what they thought of my class. <laughs> you know, you want to be a little discerning yeah. unless it's a question like, um, let me know if I, if you could hear me, was I speaking loud? Okay. Yeah. Objective. Right. Yeah. Count how many times I say good, you know, stuff like that. Fine. Use your best friend. Who cares? But on the other stuff, you want to have somebody that you trust is going to tell you the truth mm-hmm. and and then give you a tool to use in the room that actually can be grounded in something. It can't just be like a, a concept. Yoga teachers need tools that they can actually take in the room and work with. Mm-hmm can't just say speak more to possibility because you know what happens then right then it's like open your arms to possibility well what does that mean mm, right? it's too vague it's too vague so you 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 give them specific tools to use to do specific things and then they will start to hear it on their own and then over time like i did around i'd say eight year or nine in my teaching i could self-feedback because i could hear myself mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. If I'm doing a good job as a coach for people, I don't want to keep them forever. They should be with me one year max. And then they're on their own because now they've got the tools to use to self-coach. Right, right. I like how you describe it. And I, I've done a little bit of work studying neuro-linguistic programming and all around language. And right. that thing that you describe of you get to a point where you can hear your own, if we just talk about languaging, you hear your own language and yes. you can say to yourself, oh, I'm using certain phrases or words that are you know, just adding all this drama to the situation yes. and making something not what it really is. It's making yeah. it this other story. I'm yes. gonna just stop that. I'm gonna come yes. back to being present, yep. take a deep breath, count to five, whatever it is. Um, yep. Although in the beginning, you don't have that skill. You're constantly in reaction mode and, right. and in being, you know, as you described, kind of attached to your ways of being that you just developed in your life into. Exactly. It all of- shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, re- I really love this. I, f- I find that this whole conversation, I think, is so, so important for teacher development. And, and it's definitely not something that, I've covered this extensively on the podcast before. So I really, really love that we're getting into this. Um, as, as we kind of wind down, I kind of sort of hesitate to ask this question, but I'll just throw it out to you and see what you think. I would love to know a little bit about, and I know this is somewhat an overused 
question like what are the qualities of a really effective yoga teacher or a qual i don't even again effective is not the right word um what kinds of i mean we've talked about some of them can you i mean again for the listener who's out there not to kind of give them something to shoot for although maybe in a way but i'm trying to kind of help people from this conversation, get a little more, walk away from listening to this episode with a little more operational skill level, tactical stuff, even right. though so much of it is around way of being. And I think one big takeaway is find a good mentor, work with that person, especially if you're a new teacher, this is really hard work to do completely on your own. So, so would you agree that's definitely one step that people should, should do? Yes. Okay. Yes. So having said that, what are some things that people are going for? Like, what do you want them to, to take away from this? Like, you need to go for these things. Like, this is the kinds of things we want to target. Well, I'd love to um, see people, yoga teachers, get more present to what it actually means to be um, a leader of change and a leader in the classroom, not just a yoga instructor, right? and um to bring some life into the potential that's right inside the room to be teaching in a way whatever it is whether you're teaching anatomy whether you're just teaching a straight up strong fit whatever it is yin that it has a quality to it that has a life-changing and impactful feel to it for your students mm -hmm. and um and leadership starts from you know, and in, in, in this is my seeing and my definition of it, like how you enter the room. Are you standing tall? Are you walking in like you actually feel confident and you know what you're doing? Are you showing up on time? Are your classes starting on time? Are you running in frenzied or are you walking in because you gave yourself enough time to get there and be present? And if something happened before you got there, do you have tools? to access that if you are stepping in the room and feeling a little frenetic, right? There's all sorts of ways. Um, what are you sharing? You're not there to make friends with your students. You're mm -hmm. there to be a stand for what's possible for them in their lives. And a lot of times there's like all these friendships that are forming and I hate to make it something that's wrong, but just know that a lot of that can very much, you can be friendly but not be there to make friendship, make your friends somewhere else and, and try not to rob people of like the possibilities of the transformational side of yoga for them. You know, a lot of it just really has to do with how you present, you know, what are you sharing? Are your sharings appropriate? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's like, it's like going into Starbucks and the two people are working behind the counter and they're bad mouthing their manager. Like, I hate that stuff, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you have to be a professional. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to be professional. The, the other thing that really, really struck me, and, and I even think about it when you said it, I think about it in relationship to myself as a person. It really struck me um, like a like a lightning bolt, actually, when you talked about what you stand for, mm -hmm. you know, you were talking about like you people know that you have their back and they know you're going to give the truth to them, even if it is something they might not want to hear, you know, those kinds of things. Would you think that 
or would you say that that's an important, you know, I almost think of it like a mission for a business, right? Almost like a personal mission statement of sorts. Does that kind of encapsulate how you would describe those kinds of statements? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, anywhere in life, and, and this goes into the yoga room, it's like, you have to really know what your core values in life are. Mm -hmm. You have to know what the things are that are going to hold you steady when life gets messed up, right? Like when, when things get tough, what is it that's rooting you into the ground? You have to know those things. And, and you can't just say, I believe this, like a lot of people will say, well, I'm a stand for truth, but then they don't tell the truth because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Yeah. 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 And like integrity is an interesting thing because I used to look at integrity as a core value, but I don't see it as a core value. Now I see integrity wraps around your core values because here is what you say to be true of who you are. I'm honest. I'm this on that whatever it is right and then integrity is how you keep your word to those things right so um yeah whatever you you know whatever it is like know who you are what you stand for and if you really look back in your life and you think about when you were a kid there's always going to be something that stands out you know my mom used to tell me when i was a kid that i wanted to put everybody in my little red wagon and take them with me isn't that interesting? Because hmm. I still do that. It's just my wagon's a bit bigger, right? <laughs> you know? But like, she's like, you're always marching towards something that nobody could see. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my God. And taking people. I want to take them with me. Like, there's something better. I was always marching toward possibility. Ah. You know, it's just kind of an interesting thing when you, you know, if you look back and like, what were the, th what were the things you loved to do when you were six years old? Like, you're going to find something in that. Yeah. I always wanted to have these conversations with my baby dolls, you know, like there's just something to it. I was always wanted to have that, a bigger conversation. I was really into that. Always. Yeah. And I, I, you know, hearing you talk about all this, um, it really does take a willingness on the part of the person to go. Yeah, you, go you can't make it. people want to, you know, and that was the thing I learned that as a hard lesson is that um, you can show people their potential and their genius and all the things at the end of the day, they have to want it. And if you want to meet me halfway, let's go. Like I'll help get you there, but you can't drag people into it because I know that for many, many years, I saw myself as, failing at what I was doing because I, I thought I wasn't reaching people, but I was reaching a lot of people. I just was trying to reach people that weren't yet activated and ready to be reached. And that's okay too. There's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you reach who you can reach. Yeah. You know, you have to know the distinction between who's ready to go and who's, who's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you, you just made me think of one other question as we're kind of wrapping up here. I'm just being mindful of the time. Um, when, you, when you said just now this issue of, in your view, you weren't making an impact, but you were. Yes. It, it makes me think about this idea of expectations and how expectations that people have can sometimes be part of the problem is that they have such high expectations that they feel like they're never reaching them. And so in what you were just describing, 
you know, maybe you had a certain expectation to whatever that is going to look like. And in reality, you really were making an impact. Do you feel like having expectations that are too high and needing to adjust them is something that's part of a healthy growth process? Or what's your thought on that? Um, You know, I don't think for me it was expectations. I think it was the plight of the high performer and and the um, high achiever. Because with us, we only see what we haven't done yet. Yeah. We don't look back to see what we have done. And so it's really more that. So, so and, and then inside of that, right? And so we never slow down because when we're actually in our genius, we feel lazy because it comes so naturally to us. So we're always like, there must be more. There's gotta be more, right? Um, inside of that, where the fine line is, and this is where it's important for people to know who they are, not everybody is a high achiever and it doesn't make you lazy, right? It's just a different mindset and to understand what your mindset is. And so for me, like it never occurred to me that not everybody wanted to do that or be that. And so I would hear often, and I heard it a lot from my teachers and I didn't get it. I get it now that I've stepped away of, um, it's never enough for you. And I was like, what do you mean? Cause I thought everybody was like me. <laughs> you know, but they're not. So they were kind of saying, you always want more from us. Like, why are you always asking for more? Are we ever going to get there? Are we there yet? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. And now I understand. And I'm like, oh, that's what they meant by that. Because I just thought everybody was always as lit up as I was. Yeah. And isn't that such a cool example of you know, and I know this when I work with yoga teachers and coaching them is that I learn too from the experience. Without a doubt. You know, there's a reflecting both ways that's happening. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I had to learn to go back to them and say, rather than just have it strike me and be like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like say, you know, what do you mean by that? Can you like ask right. them so that right. I can get more understanding? Right. That is so true. And that's actually within the NLP, the neuro linguistic programming process, there is that asking for clarification because, you know, we have all these assumptions we make and the interactions we have with people. I love that. So if people are listening and they are wanting to embark upon a personal growth journey, or even just kind of dip their toe in the water. And what you're talking about is really intriguing to them. How can they find you? How can they get in touch with you to maybe start a conversation around, Hey, I listened to this podcast episode with Karen, and I really feel like either lost or I'm on the break of something big or whatever might be going through their mind as they listen to this. How do they with you? Well, I have a website. It's pretty simple, pattyivy.com. Um, and it's right. EY. Yeah. With an E. And, and so I have, you know, different options, you know, like I've got some group programs coming up. I have a program called reclaim your life. That'll start in the beginning of the new year again. Um, I'm actually doing a teacher mentorship weekend up here in Plum Island. If anyone's interested in that, it's going to be sitting around having a lot of conversation for yoga teachers. Um, so that would be, a, you know, that's in the beginning. That's uh, January 
15th, I think, through the, whatever, the dates are on the website. Yeah. Um, we also have these um, monthly leadership talks um, that end up into these thought provoking conversations. And it's like 25 bucks for mm -hmm. an, you know, an hour. Great way to dip your toe in the water. The other thing is, is like people can just reach out to me directly um and and email me because a lot of times i'll you know i'm happy to hop on the phone with people see where they are see if what they're you know what they're dealing with and see if there's any kind of a good fit of them you know what would be best for them a group program or potential of working one-on-one -on -one. so lots of different you know options there awesome yeah those are really all fantastic options and you know, especially the in-person, you know, especially given everything that we've been living through, the idea of being in-person, doing kind of a growth kind of experience near the ocean and all of that for listeners, uh, obviously in Massachusetts, they'll know Plum Island, but uh, for not people not in this area, it's right on the water. So just such a great yeah. experience. So yeah, and and I'm going to start doing those. And in the, in the one in January, be like nice, cozy fireside chats with you know, home cooked meal with Patty yeah. and Scribe. And um and then, you know, grow those as we go into the That's spring. Awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. So pattyivy.com, Patty, P-A-T-T-Y, I-V-E-Y. And I'll put the link in the show notes as yes. well. So um is there anything that you want to say to kind of wrap this up with a nice bow? Anything that we didn't cover that you want to share? Um anything else along the topic? train that we've been on again i think this has just been so um just so interesting and and i just really appreciate your willingness to go there i think this kind of conversation is so important for teacher development and and not only not always covered so um i really appreciate all of what you've shared today yeah no the only thing i would say is to remember that one line that like it only takes one insight and everything can change right and to spend more time um, doing the things that you're great at rather than filling your day up with what you're good at, you mm -hmm. know, and, and to give yourself the opportunity to expand into, you know, an extraordinary leader of life, of yoga teaching, whatever it is you choose as your path. Just be extraordinary. Why not? It's available. Awesome. Well, you definitely exude just this aura of believing in possibility of people. And I can imagine that definitely comes through when you work with them. And I'm sure even just listening to the audio, people will sense that. So thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your energy and all of this really good information and just discussion. I really, really appreciate it. And I know- Thanks, Karen. Thanks for inviting me. It was of really course. lovely to be with you. Of course, I loved it. All right, so we will be, today's the 27th, we'll be posting this in a couple of days on Monday is when people will be hearing this. Uh, so enjoy, thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi everybody, thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you go, I wanna let you know about a new mini course I just created as of October, 2021. It's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program mini course. It's essentially an introductory version to my signature program that teaches you anatomy so that you grow your confidence in sharing cues and sequences and in all those conversations you have with your students. 
If you're like some of the yoga teachers I speak to, you might feel as if you don't have the time to do my full program. That's one of the main reasons I created this mini course, which will give you all the same steps in my signature blueprint approach to teaching you anatomy and will allow you to complete it in much less time. There are 10 modules each of about 10 minutes each, and the entire program walks you through mini lessons from the larger program. You'll leave with specific new skills that you can start to use right away. You may also leave with a keen interest in enrolling in the larger program because your curiosity and confidence have been stoked. For you, the podcast listener, I'm offering $5 off the purchase price of the mini program, which is just priced at $27, so the cost will go down to $22 for you. Once you complete the mini course, you'll see in the next steps section how to get a $50 credit to put towards the larger program should you decide to invest in that in the future. To purchase the mini program, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com, click the link for online courses, and select the mini course link. When you check out before you enter your credit card, enter the code podcast, and you will receive the $5 off. I hope you enjoy the program. I hope it stokes your curiosity and builds your confidence. Namaste.